And so we're in, we're concluding our series in, uh, we calling relate and which is all about relationships. In week one, we talked about, uh, being intentional about building, uh, lasting marriages. Week two, we talked about raising children that become responsible adults. Week three, we talked about successfully navigating the single life. Last week, we did a Q&A with Brother Francis and Miss Babs. And today, to conclude our series, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about how to con- uh, cultivate and sustain lasting relationships. You know, the thing about, uh, about uh, the Bible you know, I didn't realize this. I was raised in a denomination that I knew some of the Bible stories, but I didn't really know the Bible really well. And I was amazed to find out that the Bible really has answers to everything that we go through in life. Right? The Bible has answers that really deals with the circumstances that we go through, and especially relationships. You know, the Bible is really about Two relationships, our relationship with God and then our relationship with others. And basically the whole Bible is about relationships. So if you don't like relationships and you want to be a Christian, you are in trouble. Because it's all about relationships, right? But you know, the Bible has a lot to say about sustaining, cultivating and sustaining lasting relationships. And by the way, we're living in a society and in a world where it's getting harder and harder for us to do either one. You know, there's really, um, when it comes to building good and lasting relationships, many people have one of two challenges. One of the challenges, either they struggle to build good relationships, or number two, they struggle to sustain good relationships. And uh, when it comes to relationships, you may be facing one of those two challenges today. Maybe you don't have any good relationships. You don't have any friends. Or maybe you have friends, but your challenge is to sustain those friendships. So we want to talk about that today. And we want to try to uh, to overcome these two relational challenges. So let's pray. Father, I pray today, help us, God. Open our eyes. God, give us revelation. Lord, I know that you could teach us way beyond what I'm going to share from the pulpit today. God, supernaturally and miraculously. And so I pray the teacher, the Holy Spirit, be released over this room. I bind up every distraction and every spirit that would try to distract from the word of God. And I pray, God, that you would just give everybody large bladders today. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So let's look at the first challenge, the challenge of building good relationships. You like that, huh? So how do you cultivate and build good relationships? Well, you remember in week one, we said that good relationships are no accident. They don't just happen automatically. People that have great relationships have been intentional about building relationships. They've been intentional. They've worked hard at building deep, meaningful relationships. And if we're not careful, we're going to get so busy in life that we don't take the time to build meaningful relationships. But to cultivate and build good relationships, we must, one number one, make a priority of developing genuine relationships. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any good friends? And this is just hitting my mind. I don't know whether I should just let it go or not. 
But if those that you say are good friends, would they say you are a good friend to them? Just a thought. Do you, do you even see the need of having good friends? Because you know what's the reality is, uh, some people don't have any good friends because they don't even see the need. Man, listen, that's a lot of work. And I'm tired already. Why would I want to invest in friends? Why do we need good friends? Well, if you're in Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse nine, it tells us two people are better off than one. How many of you know that's true? For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You ever gotten a hole you can't get out of yourself? Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Now, King Solomon gives us four good reasons to cultivate good relationships. Number one, he says a true friend helps you to succeed in life. Do you know you can go further with friends than you can by yourself? Number two, a true friend can help you get through the most difficult times in life. Look, sometimes, man, the wagon is so heavy, you need somebody else to help you pull it, right? Number three, a true friend can help you get up when you fall or when you fail in life. Sometimes you need somebody to reach down and help you up. And a true friend helps you in win battles that you can't win on your own. Remember King David who defeated the giant Goliath? What a great warrior he was. But you know what many people don't know is, is that later on in his life, David faced a giant that he couldn't defeat on his own. In fact, I want to read the passage of Scripture to you. It's in 2 Samuel 21.15. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. When David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. And Ishbi Banab was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He had concerned David and was about to kill him. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. David was weary and was about to be killed by another giant. Not Goliath, another giant. And if it was not for his friend, he would have got taken out. This great warrior faced a giant he couldn't defeat alone. And you know what, brothers and sisters? We, were, we will all get in that place one day. We will all face a giant that we cannot defeat on our own. And when our society is so dis, 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 uh, disjointed and our life is so busy, and our society is promoting less and less. You know, used to, you used to build houses with porches. Now you build houses with fences around them. We used to be a lot more relational than we are today. But had it not been that David had a genuine friend, David would have got defeated by this giant. And so the point is, even the strongest people will face times in their life where they need friends to help them. Amen? Listen to this. Someone said, no one is rich enough or powerful enough to do without friends. In other words, everybody needs friends they can count on. Number two, to call to, so first, you got to make it a priority. You got to realize the value of it. Man, I need some friends. 
Number two, to cultivate and build good relationships. Number two, we must learn what it means to be a good friend. Listen to this verse. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. You know, listen, true friends are not found. You don't just go for a walk and find one. True friends are made, right? He who has friends must show himself to be friendly. People who have good friends are people who have taken the time to cultivate genuine friendships. You know, an uncommon author said this. I went out to find a friend, but I could not find one. So I went out to be a friend and friends were everywhere. It's just in your perspective. To make good friends, you have to be a good friend. So what does a friend look like? What's a good friend look like? Well, a true friend is loyal and faithful to you whenever you need them. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, a friend is always loyal. A brother is born to help in a time of need. Let me ask you a question. Do you have anybody in your life that could call you in the middle of the night? And you're going to go help them? Or do you have people in your life, if they call you, you would go help them? You see, a friend is loyal and they're faithful. A true friend loves at all times. They're not, they're not just like occasional friends. You know what I mean? Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. In other words, true friends don't walk out to you on you when you need them the most. Listen, I, I'm, you, you've seen in the, uh, in the, in the news this week, there was an NFL player that got uh, ejected out of the NFL for punching out his wife in the elevator. Did you see that? And so they were interviewing a lot of his teammates and stuff. And some of them said, hey, we're not going to walk out on Ray right now. Or R- Rice, whatever, whatever. Ray Rice, is that it? Yeah. But, you know, I thought, well, he he's not popular right now, is he? But I thought... Kudos to the guys that said, I'm not walking out on him right now. I think he's got a good friend right there. Amen. Listen, everybody has fair weather friends. You know what fair weather friends are? It's those people that come over when they smell your barbecue. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, Johnny, good to see you, man. It's been a while. How's everything going? What you got on the pit? You know? But fair weather friends only show up when things are good or when it benefits them or they need something. As soon as what they need is gone, they walk out of your life. And when they need something, they walk back in. You call that fair weather friends. Everybody has fair weather friends. God bless the one who has enough discernment to see when somebody's got an ulterior motive to being your friend. Proverbs 18.24 says there are friends who pretend to be friends, but then there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We all need friends that stick closer than a brother and don't pretend to be our friends. True friends stick with you when times are good and when times are bad. Amen? So what kind of friend are you? A fair weather friend or a genuine friend? If you want genuine friends, you got to cultivate loyalty and faithfulness in the people around you. And I guarantee you, you are going to 
build some true, genuine friendships. Amen? Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Not just sometimes, at all times. They don't come in and come out, pop in and pop out. They're there. Especially when you need them the most. Amen? If you agree with that, say amen. And then finally, to cultivate and build good relationships, we must remember the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. It's like gravity. It works every time. The law of sowing and reaping says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Look at the next verse. It's tied into that passage. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So sowing and reaping is tiding into doing good. Paul says we should good, do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the family of faith. Why? Why should we do good to everyone? Because you always harvest what you plant. You're going to reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up and you plant the right seeds. So listen, here's kind of like the, the, you know, the, here's the, the practicality of it. If you're good to people, people are likely to be good to you. If you're ugly to people, people are likely to be ugly to you. If you get in the habit of using people to your advantage, people are going to get in the habit of using you for their advantage. Jesus said it like this. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Same principle. This is the golden rule. And the golden rule reminds us, if you want people to reach out to you, reach out to them. If you want people to be kind and considerate of you, be kind and considerate of others. If you want friends that are generous towards you, be generous towards others. If you want genuine friends that will think of you when you go through tough times, think about others when they go through tough times. Isn't this so practical, but yet so powerful? It's really powerful, isn't it? So listen, if we get so busy in life that we don't have time to think about others, whenever we're on our back, everybody around us might not have time to think about us. So if we want to build good friendships, those who have friends must show themselves Friendly, the golden rule says, be the kind of friend to others that you desire for yourself. Ask yourself this question. What do you want people to do for you? What kind of friend do you want? And take the initiative and start being that kind of friend to other people. Amen? And then you'll be well on your way to developing good, genuine, meaningful relationships. Now, the second challenge in relationships is this. The second great challenge in of cultivating relationships is sustaining them once you have them. Because some people, they can build a relationship for a little while, and then somehow it just, it just self-destructs. The wheels come off. 
whether it's in relationship like a, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, dating relationship or whether it's a good friendship relationship, whether it's at work. You know, some people have to go from job to job because once they're at a job for a little while, they start making enemies with everybody because they can build a relationship for a season, but then they, they can't prolong that relationship. It don't last. See, some people's problem is not necessarily developing good relationships. It's sustaining good relationships for a long period of time. So how do you sustain relationships? Well, amazing how the Bible addresses that particular issue. Five secrets to making relationships last right from the Bible. Number one, allow God to help you with your negative attitude. Nothing has a way of destroying good relationships like having a negative, critical, judgmental attitude. Why? Because it wounds a person's spirit. It goes down deep into their spirit and it damages their sense of self-worth. And then it rouses a sense of disdain and resentment towards you. So if we walk around being critical and judgmental, man, listen, that's not going to help out the cause. Dave Carnegie said this, if you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. Amen. If you want friends, don't keep kicking your friends. You look like you gain weight. Oh, man, where did you get your tack? You need to go to Lowe's and get you a box full of them. Amen. Come on. Are y'all out there? I'm just saying. Matthew 7, 1 says, don't judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. In other words, he's saying, don't pick on people. Don't point out people's failures and criticize people's faults. Quit looking for and pointing out people's shortcomings. Unless you're okay with people doing that to you. Then just go right ahead. Amen. Kind of like that boomerang. You know, throw it out there, but man, be looking. Hope you got eyes behind your head because it's liable to pop you right there. Amen. Come on, y'all with me? But isn't it ridiculous to say, man, I can't understand why I can't build friendships. But you're always looking for people's faults and you're pointing out every. Listen, man, we we could criticize ourselves enough. We got an enemy that criticizes enough. We don't need you. Come on. Y'all help me preach this morning. Is that right? So listen to this verse seven, Matthew seven in the message. It says this. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly smear on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly smear off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. (laughs) Amen. That's good. I like that. So listen, being critical and judgmental of others has a way of boomeranging and hitting you in the head and you can't build lasting relationships like that. Amen. So get rid of the negative attitude and you're going to have more friends. Hey, who knows? You might even get a raise at work. (laughs) Amen. You might start making more money. 
If you just get a positive attitude, start treating people right. Amen. So listen, we need to stop focusing on others' faults and start focusing on our own faults. And I know that's a full-time job right there. Amen. Secret number two to building lasting relationships is learning how to tame your tongue and keep confidentiality. Listen to this verse, Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife and gossip separates the best of friends. If you want to separate yourself from good friends, be a gossiper. Did you catch that? Gossip separates the best of friends. What is a gossiper? A gossiper is one who spreads secrets or rumors. Man, let me tell you something. Did you hear about? Let me, let me, I would like to be the first one to tell you. But listen, Proverbs 11, 11, 13 says a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. You know, so a gossiper is someone that hears some information and can't wait to go broadcast it. That's a gossiper. You can't keep secrets. Takes people's negative stuff and wants to go spread it with others. Listen, if someone's always telling me other people's business, listen, I'll never trust them by telling them my business. Because if they're willing to tell me other people's business, I know they're going to be willing to tell you my business. Because I ain't telling them. They ain't knowing. I'm going to keep that to myself. Come on, that's the Cajun vernacular right there. Amen? Why? Why? Listen, why? Because I know I won't tell them. I won't be. I won't give them any. I won't be real with them. I won't tell them if I'm struggling because I don't trust what they're going to do with it. But man, isn't it great to have somebody that you could trust? that you could share your most intimate struggles in life and know that it's not going any further than that? So, so listen, you never build lasting relationships if all you do is walk around revealing other people's secrets and spreading rumors. People will not allow you to get close if they, if they're, if they can't trust what they say in the front of you. They're going to want to keep you at a distance. Because they're afraid they might say something that you're going to take and run. So learn to keep confidential, confidentiality and learn to tame your tongue. Amen? It's very practical, isn't it? A third secret to building lasting relationships is learning how to extend mercy towards others. If you don't learn how to extend mercy and forgive other friends when they do something that that wrongs you, you will never build lasting relationships. Why? Because it's inevitable that the godliest of friends will do something that'll hurt you. They'll forget to invite you. They'll, they'll leave you out or, you know, whatever it is. People are not perfect. And because people are not perfect, it's almost 100% that people will do stuff that'll hurt you. Am I right, saints of God? And so you remember yeah, last week, whenever Brother Francis and Miss Babs at one of the services, I think it might have been the second one, Brother Francis said something and it caught me. It caught my ear and I grabbed a hold of it. But he said, Brother Francis and Miss jo- Babs said they were enjoying 57 years of marriage. They were on their 58th year. Amen. Isn't that great? Praise be the Lord. But Brother Francis, almost off the cuff, said Miss Babs has been a good forgiver. Did any of y'all catch that? You know, and I could relate to what he was saying. There's none of us 
good enough husbands that we don't need a wife that will forgive us. Listen, there's none of us wives that are good enough that we don't need a husband that'll be a good forgiver. There's none of us that have any relationships good enough that we don't need to be a good forgiver. We need to learn how to forgive. Amen. Listen, 57 years of marriage doesn't happen without the ability to extend mercy and forgive. And you know what? The same is true of lasting relationships. You can't build lasting relationships if you get your feelings hurt all the time. You got to learn to forgive. You got to learn to let it go. Amen. Proverbs 17, 9 says, listen, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Wow, what a great verse. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on others' faults separates closest friends. Listen, when Brother Francis and Miss Babs were, were dancing up here last weekend, I was boo. How do you say, how do you say cry in French? Braille, and I was braille, and, and a lot of you were too. You know, you know, it's just, you don't see too many couples that are married 57 years and see how much they love each other. And man, that was a thousand sermons last Sunday. If you weren't here last Sunday, you missed it. I encourage you to go to the website and watch it because it, it was a thousand sermons. But listen, you don't get to what you saw with Brother Francis and Miss Babs without learning to be merciful and forgiving. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Amen? You can't get close to those that you're bitter with. But great relationships can develop if you learn to forgive others' faults. A fourth secret to building lasting relationships is choose to be a giver and cultivate a generous spirit. You know, many, Proverbs 19, 6 says, many will seek the favor of a generous man. I mean, if you know, if you got a lot of money, you're going to have a lot of friends. And some of us would say, I'd like to try that out. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? And every man is a friend to whom who gives gifts. You know, it's the honey. Honey attracts bees. Vinegar does it. Amen. Proverbs says, every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. Being generous opens the doors and forges great and lasting relationships. Nobody wants to be around a a leech. You know, you take people to dinner and they always forget their wallet. Oh, man, I forgot my wallet. You're going to have to pay again. And they probably could be looking for another friend that got a wallet that he brings. Come on. We, we may, we just having fun, but isn't it true? So look, here's the key. Here's the key. Don't give with the expectation of getting something in return. Give expecting nothing in return. Give unconditionally. Don't try to buy a friend. Cause if you try to buy a friend and they don't reciprocate, Oh, my goodness, you're going to have the biggest boo day. But you got to give with the motives of just wanting to cultivate a spirit of generosity. Right? You see, you build relationships by giving of your time, by giving of your resources, by giving emotionally, 
by giving physically, by giving spiritually, you know, by giving. You know, there's takers and givers. Givers have more friends than takers. Why be generous? Because generosity opens the door and forges great relationships. You know, listen, sometimes we're so self-absorbed that we don't think about other people. And then we all alone and we say, man, I'm lonely. I don't have anybody in my life. Well, it might be because you've become so self-absorbed that you haven't taken the time to think about other people. But generosity takes the focus off of you and puts it on other people. And listen to this verse. Proverbs 18, 16 says, giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. Gifts opens the door. So, hey, listen, you may just be one lunch or dinner invitation away from forging a great relationship. But you got to learn to give. Because people like to hang around givers and they seem to want to keep a distance away from takers. Right? Is that okay to say that in church this morning? So we're talking about building lasting relationships. It's just like if you say, man, I want to marry somebody that'll take care of me. That'll meet all my needs. And as soon as she picks up on that, she's like Forrest Gump. She starts running and running and running and running. She says, he wants a mama. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I don't want to be a mama, right? Come on, help me out here, saints. Amen. So listen, you got to learn to cultivate that generous spirit. Amen. All right, fifth and finally. Final secret to building lasting relationships is learn to overcome selfishness and be, begin loving unconditionally. Listen to this verse. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. And then listen to this part. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, what is it? What is it that so powerfully woos us to Jesus? He laid down his life for us, man. What else do you want him to do? Do you you question whether he loves you? He laid down his life. What else could he do to prove to you he loved you? He gave the every best thing he had. He gave his life, amen? And so you know what? To build friends, you got to learn to lay down your life. If you want to be a good parent, lay down your life for your children. You want to be a good spouse, learn to lay down your life for your spouse. If you want to be a good coworker and build great relationships, learn to lay down your life for your coworkers. Amen. If you want to be a good friend, go mow your neighbor's yard. If they agree to it, that is. But you, you get the principle love. Greater love has no one that he lay down his life for a friend. But it connects to that last point we just made about being generous. But, you know, here's some ways to love other people. How about this? Smile really big. You know, years ago, Brother Francis and I went to a a church conference, a church leadership conference. And it was the first time we ever heard John Maxwell 
A lot of you know him. He's written 99,000 books. I mean, he's just been a prolific uh, author and, and uh, you know, Bible teacher and leader and all that. And I remember we were in that. We had all kind of denominations there, all kinds and sorts. And uh, and he said, he said, hey, listen, pastors, I want to help you. I want to teach you. How, I want to teach you how to grow your church. And so everybody's sitting on the edge of their seat. Waiting for it, and they got their pen in hand. He says, Start smiling. <laughs> and it just kind of just went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> and he said, No, I'm serious. He said, Some of you, you know, you get up behind that sacred desk and you put on that, you know, that Charleston Heston voice, God, you know, and all that. And he said, man, you look like you ate a bunch of lemons. And he said, you know, just smile and you can start growing your church. Well, can I just make application of that to us today? Smile. You're going to make more friends. Amen. Come on. Just smile. Practice it. It works. Smile. You know, listen, a smile You know what a smile is? A smile is an effort to give off positive emotional strength. When you smile at somebody, you're just making an effort to just say, hey, I value you and I'm trying to just give you something positive. You know what a frown is? The opposite. I want a a boudet, that's it. A boudet tries to draw strength from people. I'm not happy with the way you behave, and I'm a frown to try to draw some energy out of you. But come on, how many of you like to be around smilers versus frowners? Amen. So smile real big. You know, it may, it may seem so ridiculous, but I tell you what, when you walk, listen, I love it. When you go to Walmart and they, they got a lot of frowners. So you walk up there and you might have been waiting five minutes and you get to the desk and you say, hey, how you doing? You having a good day? They look at you like, what are you trying here to rob me or what? You know, there's something wrong with this picture. But they just like, oh, praise the Lord. You know, they, they start getting going slower while they check you out. Tell me more. <laughs> Smile longer, smile louder, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Because, man, there's so many people that comes right by their their stations that just drains them, drains them, drains. They see more frowns and more boudets than, than you could shake a stick at. So when they finally get somebody that gets up to that counter and smiles, they say, praise the Lord. My ship just came in. Now, hey. Don't you think Christians should smile more than anybody on the planet? Hey, man, come on. We should be smilers, right? Now, let me just give you a little warning. You got to be careful who you smile at. Because they might follow you to your car. Amen. Because they hadn't seen a smile in a while. Amen. All right. Okay. So just moving on. Number two. Show appreciation for the little things people do for you. You know, again, appreciation means you focus on the efforts of others, that you don't just take it for granted. Somebody opens the door to just say, hey, appreciate that. 
But sometimes people do suffer and we never even show appreciation. It's like we're, we don't realize what people are doing to make our lives easier or better, even whenever it's just like opening the door. Right? But when somebody shows you appreciation, you say, wow, they value what I'm doing enough to say something about it. Don't you like when people show you appreciation? You make friends by showing appreciation. Amen? Offer words of encouragement to those you come in contact with. Find something positive to say. You know, I heard this rule, the 30-second rule. It says, say something kind and uplifting to someone in the first 30 seconds you meet with them. You know, even if you have to say, man, that colleague, man, that, I've never seen one stand up so straight, man. That's when you can revert back some of the other points we just made, right? But, you know, that's not the way to do it, right? But, you know, you understand what I'm saying. You know, listen, everybody, really, everybody wants encouragement. And, man, whenever you can find something that somebody did or something, just to say, man, that was a great job, man, you did a great job, like a waitress in a restaurant. You know, sometimes it's hard to encourage them, you know, if they forgot you were in the restaurant. But most of them don't. And here they are just working. But, man, just to show a little encouragement to them, man, you are a great waiter. You're a great waitress. Come on, how many of you ever waited on tables before in your lifetime? You know, you know what I heard the other day from waitresses or from somebody, waiter, that they hated Sundays. Think about that for a moment. Why did they hate Sundays? Because the church crowd came. And number one, they had a bad attitude. Number two, they were stingy. Their tips, listen, no kidding. Their tips were the lowest on Sundays. Now, if you have a child you're trying to win to the Lord and they're working in a restaurant, help the parents out. Come on, are y'all out there? You, it's amazing what you could do to make a difference, amen, and love people. And so just offer words of encouragement. Say, man, you did a great job. Sir, you did a great job. Amen. It's a fact we're always attracted to those who are kind and encourage us. And we always try to avoid those who are energy drainers. Isn't that true? I mean, you know, you go to work and you got this person that's an energy drainer. And you walk in and you hear their voice in this hallway and you take, go this way. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And then you down it out and you look for that encourager. You know where they are. And you, I mean, you go around the world to get to their office and sit in their office because, you know, they're going to have a kind word for you. Amen. Miss Gail, where's Miss Gail? Is Miss Gail here? Is that Miss Gail back there? I got my glasses on so I could see beyond the fifth row. But Miss Gail, let me just speaking of encouragement. Let me just encourage Miss Gail. Oh, my goodness. Miss Gail is an incredible encourager. If you know Miss Gail, you know her. She's just, she always has a good word. She always has a word of encouragement. She always has a smile. And I'm telling you, when I see Miss Gail, I want to go talk to her. Amen. I hear that voice and I'm running from that voice, but I'm looking for Miss Gail. Right? I, am I being truthful here? Is this true? I know you say, well, Tom, man, I don't know. It's true. It's true. It's true. So listen, are you an encourager? Are you a drainer? 
Are you a taker? So listen, I encourage you. Encourage. And listen, another, number four, to, to, to love people, start and focus conversation on others instead of yourself and your accomplishments. People always enjoy talking about themselves, but they get really tired quick when all we do is talk about ourselves. Amen? Whenever we have a conversation, we just tell them about how good we are. They start getting nauseated. (laughs) Amen? You know, they try to be nice and they smile and they just listen. But after a while, they just like, oh, you know. (laughs) You know, but isn't it true that everybody likes to talk about themselves? And whenever you start conversation, you just focus on other people. Say, tell me about yourself. Brother Francis is a master at this. Brother Francis walks in a room, he'll make a friend with everybody because he'll just say, tell me about yourself. Tell me about where you're from, where you were born, what you do and all that. And he'll just make them talk about themselves. And, and Brother Francis hasn't said five words and they finish that conversation and they think Brother Francis is right next to Moses. There's God, Moses and Brother Francis. Isn't it true? I mean, come on. Those of you that know Brother Francis, I mean, he just lets you, he'll just find out about you and you feel like you feel like gold because he just he just talks about you. Amen. Come on. Are y'all receiving from this? Y'all getting anything about this? All right. Well, let's conclude it now. Loving people, uh, how you love people is love people continually and unconditionally. And, you know, you know, like, you know, whenever you get around children. Children are so discerning. Whenever they get around a suspicious character, they'll do that bow up on you. And you say, come on, son, be nice. (laughs) I don't know, there's something wrong with that person. (laughs) Be nice to them. I don't know about them, man. They, They ain't something right there. But they sense and pick up on the spirit of people. Did you notice that? Children are so discerning. In fact, animals are too. I mean, I mean, listen, we used to have a little chihuahua. There was somebody that better not come in our yard because they get bit. But then other people, man, most everybody could come in and they just, they just, that chihuahua knew that that person didn't like chihuahuas or something. I don't know. But the point of the matter is, is that, you know, our spirit, you know, well, the, the spirit of who we are, Whenever we're loving, whenever we're kind, whenever we're compassionate, people are discerning. People could sense that. But they can also sense people that have insecurities and people that are timid and fearful. Whenever they get around that, they just like, they're not sure what to do with it. But the more loving you are and the more kind you are, And the more compassionate you are, everybody, you know, love is like the positive pole on the battery. Everything's attracted to it. And whenever you're loving and you're kind, 
And you're compassionate and you're merciful and you exude that unconditional love and you love people with tattoos and piercings. You love people of different races and live on this different sides of the tracks and you love people that are, are got some quirks and you love people that got big hair and short hair and you know, you know what I mean? You just love and, and the more you love unconditionally, the more people sense and feel that you have a lot of love in your life and you're a lot of love in your heart and the more you love, the more people want to be around you. And the more people want to be around you, the more friends you have. And the more friends you have, the better off you're going to be. Because life is about friendships and relationships. And the better we do in relationships, the better our life will be. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand with me. And let's close in prayer. Amen. We got some work to do, don't we? Come on. How many of you want to build good, strong, deep, lasting relationships? Come on, let's ask God to help us. Let's ask God to just fill our hearts with love right now. Let's ask the Lord to just give us grace right now. Come on, let's ask the Lord. Listen, some of us, because we, we were kicked when we were growing up and we had terrible relationships and we've gotten, we've gotten kind of cynical and fearful and timid. And reluctant to reach out and help others. Come on, let's ask the Lord to help us today. To just become a people that is filled with love. Come on, just open up your heart right there. You know, listen, some of us, we're so quick to tell people what they need to know about the Bible, but we're not so quick to love them. Let's, let's become lovers. Lovers. God is love. God is love. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 says, Love never fails. Father, I pray, God, release your love in this place today. God, fill every heart with love. Fill every life with grace. God, help us, Lord, to get beyond our negative attitudes. and Help us, God, to put on the positive attitude. God, help us to be givers and not takers. God, help us, Lord. Fill us with your love, Lord. Fill us with the love of God. Lord, may your love fill us so much that we got enough to give out to others. God, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would baptize us in the love of Jesus today. God, cause our hearts to be filled and flooded today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now listen. You can't give what you don't have. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never experienced unconditional love, it's hard for you to give unconditional love. If you've never experienced the love and the compassion and the mercy of God, it's hard for you to give that off. But listen, Jesus wants you to experience His love and His grace. He died on the cross so that you could experience His love, His unconditional love. If you're here today and you're not for sure that you're saved, you don't, you you question whether you're a genuine Christian or not. And today you want to make sure so you can experience His love. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray a special prayer, particularly 
of prayer just for you. Raise it and raise it high so I can see it. And I want to pray for you. I want to make sure everybody in this room knows the love of God. All right, ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? If your heart's beating right now, if you're just wondering, ma'am, right over here, don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Be bold right now. Be courageous right now because this is your moment to tap in to true love right now. I'm going to lift up your hand again and let me see it. Let me see it. There you go. All right. Now listen, those that raise your hands, as soon as we finish praying, as soon as we finish praying, I'm going to come up here. I want you to come and let me know you prayed that prayer and I have a gift for you. Okay. I want to help you get started. Let's all pray this prayer today. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a giver, dying on the cross for my sins so I could experience love, true love unconditional love Lord Jesus would you forgive me would you cleanse me and would you fill me with your spirit thank you Lord for accepting me in your family this day forward I want to live for you and I pray you help me to do that in Jesus name Amen